the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ukraine on edge as the region around Europe's largest nuclear power plant endures more shelling. If they hit the cooling tower, then it can overheat within the inside. And that's the real danger and why we definitely need to make sure that this doesn't go anywhere. The redacted affidavit draws scrutiny regarding if the raid on Mar-a-Lago was justified. That is an unprecedented waiver of executive privilege that led to this criminal investigation. Bernie Sanders defends Joe Biden's student debt bailout, calls for free public education. Uh, I don't hear any of these Republicans squawking when we give massive tax breaks to billionaires. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Monday, August 29th. I'm Mike Scott. Europe is on edge as the war in Ukraine has put Europe's largest nuclear power plant in the crossfire. Russia fired missiles and artillery on Ukrainian-held areas across the river from the plant, currently under Russian control. Due to the shelling, the power plant was briefly knocked offline, and the country held its collective breath until power was reconnected. Recent satellite images from Planet Labs showed fires burning around the complex over the last several days. As a result, the International Atomic Energy Agency inspectors have announced they're heading to the power plant in the next few days. It's amidst rising fears over a potential nuclear accident. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Davis joined Fox News to discuss the latest on the war in Ukraine. When you look at back over the last six months, you see quite a lot of areas that the, that the Russians have taken. It's going slow, but it's methodical and it's relentless in how they're doing it. Because every time they've taken ground, they have, relatively speaking, have not given it back up. And some of these areas around here were some uh, movements that were small and they were uh, a long time ago, actually several weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But in recent days, especially this area is here, you see Russia has actually started to either continue its offensive or... Or, or conduct probing attacks. But what you haven't seen, and Ukraine's been talking about this for months, that they were going to have this big offensive that was going to sweep down to, to retake Kherson, but that's never happened. And, and as I've talked about many times, sometimes on this show, they don't have the capacity, so they're going to really have to struggle to hold on to this. Davis explains that U.S. military intel suggests that Russia is coming into the Donetsk area with a convoy of their newer military equipment. Also up in Sumy, up around and right here this morning, there was up to 200 uh, rocket launches in there all through the Kharkov area, all down here. You see Russia really increasing the amount of firepower that they're bringing onto this. And the, probably the most noteworthy thing is just within the last 12 to 24 hours, there's been reports of a Russian armored column moving in from this area into the Donetsk area. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's their most modern stuff. And it could be that they're going to start another uh, even stronger uh, offensive in the Donetsk. And that's what we're going to be watching for in the coming days. 
Davis says the threat of Russia being able to take the city of Kharkiv is now real. What's the real danger is if they continue to push through this current line that you see right here, which is Seversk, uh, Solidar, and Bakhmut. Once they take care of there, there's a couple of cities right over here, Slavyansk and Kramatorsk, and that's the last major cities in the northern part of the Donbass. And once they, if they, Russia is able to take that, then now then they can come and hit Kharkiv from three different directions, or they can swing south in to try to maybe take Mykolaiv. So there's there's still a lot of risk for the Russian or the Ukrainian troops right now. David goes on to explain that should the power plant get hit, it has the potential to spread the war outside of Ukrainian borders. This is a lot of trouble. This is the one thing I'm watching the most because it has the most potential risk to expand this beyond the, the borders of where it's at. Because if anybody hits this, and it doesn't matter whether it's the Russians or the Ukrainians, and they're both firing in this area, right. if they hit the cooling tower, that's the real issue because the, the actual uh, concrete uh, facility there is, is made to withstand this. But if they hit the cooling tower, then it can overheat within the inside. And that's the real danger and why we definitely need to make sure that this doesn't go anywhere. Meantime... Russian President Vladimir Putin on Saturday signed a decree giving monetary benefits for Ukrainians to come to Russia. The decree published on a government portal establishes monthly pension payments of about $170 a month for people who have been forced to leave the territory of Ukraine. The affidavit that led to the raid on former President Donald Trump's Florida home, Mar-a-Lago, has been made public, and it is heavily redacted. However, the 38-page filing does share some small details on the FBI's suspicions that other sensitive documents remained at the Trump estate in Palm Beach, even after the former president returned more than 15 boxes of documents to the National Archives in January. Critics of the raid believe the lack of transparency from the heavily redacted affidavit only lends to more distrust from the Justice Department. Mike Davis, the president of the Article 3 Project, joined Fox News and says that the raid was unlawful and that, in his opinion, it is an attempt to smear a potential political rival of Joe Biden. They said that President Trump had nuclear documents, which we know is completely bogus. They've been leaking grand jury material, illegally leaking grand jury material. They're they're selectively leaking, improperly leaking from this affidavit. They also said that Merrick Garland said that the Biden White House didn't have advance notice. That's just not true. We know that White House deputy counsel to the president, Jonathan Sue, like you said, has been working with the archives for for three months and he that the Biden the president Biden had to make the determination himself as the president whether he was going to waive executive privilege for the former president that is an unprecedented waiver of executive privilege that led to this criminal investigation in this in this raid this unprecedented unnecessary and unlawful raid on Biden's former political rival and his future political rival Davis says that the former president has the constitutional right to declassify whatever materials he wanted. Presidents of the United States have the absolute constitutional power to classify or declassify anything we want, anything they want in any manner they want. The 1988 Supreme Court decision, Department of Navy versus Egan, 
uh, made that clear. Also, presidents have the absolute sole authority, according to a 2012 Obama judge ruling, to determine whether records are personal that belong to the president or presidential records that go to the bureaucrats of the archives and then almost certainly get sent back to the former president's library. This is a political witch hunt, a political fishing expedition on President Trump because the Biden administration knows that President Trump declassified and made personal a copy of the crossfire hurricane records, Russian collusion records. Those records are very damaging politically to Obama, Biden, Hillary, the FBI, the intel community, and that's why they they ordered. They went to this biased judge in Florida and got this unprecedented home raid on a former president to get back these documents. Meanwhile, the U.S. government has a deadline of Tuesday to publicly respond to the former president's motion for judicial oversight and additional relief, including his request for a special master. Then the president will have a day to reply. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders talked to ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos and defended President Joe Biden's announcement to forgive some student loan debt. During his appearance, Sanders tried to beat back Republicans who had criticized the president's decision to unilaterally forgive up to $10,000 for most borrowers. 60% of the benefits go to people who are on Pell Grants, Uh, 87% of the benefits go to people who are making $75,000 a year. Look, I know it is shocking, George, to some Republicans uh, that the government actually on occasion does something to benefit working families and low-income people. Uh, I don't hear any of these Republicans squawking when we give massive tax breaks to billionaires, when we have an effective tax rate today such that the 1% have a lower effective tax rate uh, than working people where major corporations in a given year don't pay a nickel in federal taxes. That's okay. But suddenly when we do something for working people, uh, it is a terrible idea. Sanders says college should be tuition-free, in his opinion, in order to be globally competitive. In my view, uh, at a time when hundreds of thousands of bright young people can't even afford to go to college, if we're going to be competitive in a global economy, uh, we need to make public colleges and universities tuition-free. Sanders goes on to explain that, in his opinion, the people who are the top 1% should pay their fair share. The answer is not to deny help to people who cannot deal with these horrendous student debts who are delaying getting married, delaying uh, even having children. The answer is that maybe, just maybe, we want to have a government that works for all working people and not just the people on top. So the answer, I think, is to say, yeah, if you are a working person right now, you're worried about what happens to you when you are retiring. Well, maybe we should demand that the wealthiest people in this country start paying their fair share of taxes so we can expand Social Security, improve the benefits, and protect those workers. Maybe we should raise the minimum wage to a living wage for low-income workers. Maybe we should do what every other major country on Earth does, George, and guarantee health care to all people as a human right. Looking ahead to the midterms, Sanders believes Democrats will keep control of the Senate. What the Supreme Court did in saying to every woman in America, uh, you can't control your own body. Your state government will make a decision 
uh, on this most personal matter of an abortion. I think that the American people are saying, excuse me, uh, in America, in the year 2022, uh, women will make that decision. And I think that decision is going to reverberate very poorly for Republicans who think that women do not have a right to control their own bodies. Uh, I think the gun violence that we have seen is also going to play a role. People understand, whether you're Democrats or Republicans, that we common sense gun safety legislation. So I think there is a reasonable chance that Democrats uh, will retain control uh, over the Senate. I certainly hope we get uh, more than 50 in the Senate, that we get at least 52 so we can start going forward and protecting working people in a way we have not been able to do up to now. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis joined the Hugh Hewitt Show on the Salem Radio Network and said simply, in his opinion, the president canceling student debt is unconstitutional. For one, it's unconstitutional, which is obviously something important. I don't think that that's something Biden cares about, but he doesn't have the authority to do this. Two, you're going to be having plumbers, people that have their own small businesses, waitresses, they're going to be on the hook to pay the student loan of somebody who got a PhD in gender studies. I mean, give me a break. So yes, people should obviously pay back their loans. But then the fact that you're putting this on the backs of working Americans who may have made different choices with regards to education, or like you said, and most people have done, have paid off their debts. And so I think a lot of people who've paid off education debts right now feel like chumps because they did the right thing. uh, And now Biden's coming in with this. It will also exacerbate the inflation problems that we're seeing right now. And it's not just people like me saying that. You have Obama economists saying that this is going to fuel more inflation. So I think it's a policy disaster, but I also do think it's a political disaster disaster because I just don't think it sits well with the vast majority of people in this country. Republican senators challenge an immigration rule change on terror support. More details come to us this morning from Daybreak Insider's congressional correspondent, Bernie Bennett. Ten Republican senators sent a letter to members of the Biden administration this week demanding an explanation for a rule change that will allow some individuals who have materially supported terrorist organizations to immigrate to the U.S. The June 8th determination by the Departments of Homeland Security and State announced that people who have provided insignificant or limited material support to terrorist organizations in the past will no longer be barred from immigration. The secretaries of the two departments have authority to exempt some from federal prohibitions on the immigration of people linked to terrorist activity. Bernie Bennett in Washington. New York Governor Kathy Hochul raised eyebrows while at a campaign event for congressional candidate Pat Ryan, stating that Republicans should hop a bus and move to Florida. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you, re- you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. According to census data, New York State has already lost 1.5 million residents in the past decade, and there's no sign of letting up. In fact, according to some reports, more than 350,000 New Yorkers relocated during the 12 pandemic plague months leading up to July 1, 2021. Among reasons cited for leaving, polling has shown high taxes are the primary reason New Yorkers are bolting the state. On Friday, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell stated 
that the central bank would not back off on efforts to curb inflation and has hinted that the economy may have to experience some pain causing stocks to plummet. Reducing inflation is likely to require a sustained period of below-trend growth. Moreover, there will very likely be some softening of labor market conditions. While higher interest rates, slower growth, and softer labor market conditions will bring down inflation, they will also bring some pain to households and businesses. These are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. But a failure to restore price stability would mean far greater pain. On that news, the Dow tumbled 4.2%. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ composite lost roughly 4% and 4.4%, respectively. Rachel Solomon is CNN's business correspondent and says that the Federal Reserve is not done raising rates. The Fed expects there to be some softening in the labor market, i.e. joblessness. Joblessness. He said that uh, we're going to see inflation uh, likely higher for longer. He said that uh, we'll also see, of course, borrowing costs continue to rise as the Fed raises its benchmark interest rate. Uh, He also addressed the fact that we have started to see, including this morning, inflation reports that indicated some easing. And to that point, he said, look, the lower inflation readings for July are are welcome, uh, but a single month's improvement falls far short of where the committee will need to to see before we are confident that inflation is moving down. And my read from that, Jim and Poppy, is we're not there yet. They're not done with raising rates. And so uh, we know we have a meeting in about a month. still unclear uh, whether we will see the Fed raise rates by half a percentage point or three quarters of a percentage point. Uh, There are more meetings this year, but it is very clear from the Fed's uh, messaging there is that we're not done. We're going to see rates continue to increase because uh, we're not where we need to be, according Mm -hmm. to the Fed, in terms of lowering inflation. Good news for a major pipeline. Daybreak Insider's John Scott has more on the development of the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Federal regulators have given the developers of the Mountain Valley Pipeline another four years to complete the long-delayed natural gas project. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission made the unanimous decision to extend a new deadline for completion of the 303-mile pipeline spanning portions of Virginia and West Virginia to October 2026. Mountain Valley had asked for an extension in June. It has faced opposition from environmental groups and has had numerous permits tossed by the courts. John Scott reported. A mint-condition Mickey Mantle baseball card is sold for $12.6 million, sailing into the record book Sunday as the most expensive ever paid for a piece of sports memorabilia. The rare Mantle card eclipsed the record just posted a few days ago, $9.3 million for the jersey worn by Diego Maradona when he scored his controversial Hand of God goal in the World Cup. Baseball card seller Anthony Giordano says he watched the auction and the bidding over the Internet from home with his entire family by his side. The money part of it is is one thing, but being able to take that journey with my family and and my boys and my my grandchildren. Giordano says he really wasn't surprised by how much it went for because the auction house always told him it would sell for more than $10 million. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, although I wasn't really shocked. Giordano says he doesn't have any big plans for the money, except he knows where a chunk of it will go, and that's taxes. 
pay Uncle Sam what they deserve right away and get that over with because, um, you know, that, that's got to be done. And then just, I'm, I'm not sure at this point, just, you know, put it in the bank, best it. And finally, NASA's new moon rocket remained on track to blast off on a crucial test flight despite a series of lightning strikes around the launch pad. The 322-foot Space Launch System rocket is the most powerful ever built by NASA, and it's poised to send an empty crew capsule into lunar orbit a half-century after NASA's Apollo program landed 12 astronauts on the moon. Astronauts could return to the moon in just a few years if this six-week test flight goes well. NASA officials caution, however, that the risks are high and the flight could be cut short. In lieu of astronauts, three test dummies are strapped into the Orion capsule to measure vibration, acceleration, and radiation, one of the biggest hazards to humans in deep space. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson says Monday's launch is the first step in a long-range plan. I think all of this is to develop where we may be living on other worlds. They may be floating worlds. They may be the surface of Mars. But this is just part of our push outward, our quest to explore, to find out uh, what's out there in this universe. Nelson describes the unmanned rocket as a test orbiting the moon. The main purpose of the flight is to test the heat shield, because you can't test that in a lab. So if the heat shield survives and does what it is expected to do, it's a successful test. Nelson went on to tell reporters the U.S. is now in a full-on space race. We want to get to the South Pole of the Moon where the resources are, where we think water is. If there's water, there's rocket fuel. And uh, we don't want China suddenly getting there and saying, ah, this is our exclusive territory. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.